Folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is September the 9th, 2014. This is episode 1422 of the Survival Podcast. And I've got a good one for you today. It's called Turn Off the Frickin' News. And I changed it to frickin'. I actually had not the F word, but like F and then like an asterisk and a question mark upside down and like NG at the end of it. And I thought, oh, there's no real reason to do that. I'll just call it frickin' news. But turn off the frickin' news. And some of you are thinking, dude, I turned the news off a long time ago. Am I getting anything out of today's show? Yeah, I probably had to talk to people that won't turn the frickin' news off about why they should. And those of you that really think a lot of this stuff that's going around in the news right now is really important, I will be up front with you today. As I've said before in past episodes, when somebody says, I have no agenda, they're full of crap. Everybody has an agenda. Some people, their agenda is to figure out how to put their socks on properly in the morning and get up. And that's as far as they can go. Some people have larger agendas. I have a monumentous agenda in today's show. My agenda today is the freedom and liberation of minds. That is what I want to do today. You cannot be a free person unless you are first freed from mental slavery. And I believe that our nation has slipped deeper into mental slavery at this point in time in history than any time in the past. Than any time in the past. That we are more easily led and more gullible and more ignorant and more lazy and more wanting somebody else to do it for us than we have ever been as a people, ever. Ever. And we've been pretty bad at some moments of the past, but it's worse now. I will tell you why a lot of the things you're hearing that are supposed to be so important that you should be glued to your television to get the latest updates on them because they do affect you. Don't. And I will tell you why you need to free yourself from this. And I will tell you the sad truth about the people around you. I'll do that after I take care of our sponsors and our housekeeping today. Sponsor of the day number one today is JM Bullion. You know, sometimes I seem like I'm a little tough on the silver and gold bugs. And that's because I am, because most of them say, get rid of all your money and buy silver and gold. I think that's stupid. I think it's the dumbest advice that I've ever heard, so I call it what it is. And I've pointed out that if you're on an island and you have a bunch of gold but no food or water or comfort supplies, you'd trade all that gold for those food comfort supplies and things like that fast. I'll also point out that you'd do the same with money. In the end, silver and gold are commodities, and they're great commodities for ensuring your, your net worth. That's why I recommend you keep 5 to 10% of your total net worth in silver and gold as an insurance policy and as a hedge against inflation because, well, inflation is the plan. That means when I buy my silver and gold, I want to pay as little for it as possible. I want to feel that I'm doing business with a company I can trust, and I want to know if something goes wrong, I'm going to be taken care of. I found JM Bullion in my search for the perfect company. They're the best company I can find to do business with. When I'm buying silver and gold today, it's where I buy it. It's where I think you should buy it, too. Next up today, westernbotanicals.com. You know... The other thing that I'm really hard on sometimes is modern medicine. And I think really what you don't understand is I'm really hard on pharmaceutical companies that I believe at this point are turning out drugs and then creating illnesses to match the drugs so they can patent them and make billions of dollars putting drugs into people's bodies that are designed to keep them sick, not make them well. 
The pharmaceutical companies do not profit when you're well. They profit when you're sick and you stay sick and you stay on their medications for life. If I get hit by a truck, I really want to go to an ER where a, a qualified medical practitioner can help me. If I get cancer, I want to take a balanced approach, honestly, where I use both the cutting-edge modern medicine and whatever else is available to me. But when it comes to my back hurting, you know what? I think turmeric and white willow bark is probably a lot safer for my body than whatever non-steroidal anti-inflammatory they crank out next. So I choose to treat my minor ailments and my minor uh, inconveniences with things that are, you know, herbal. I mean, the other day I got stung by one of my bees on the back of my calf, and I used a little salve that uses burdock and plantain um, and, and comfrey. And it, it was plenty to take care of that little issue right there. How to get stung by a bee? I don't know. He was being a jerk. He was being a jerk. It's not funny. Okay, anyway. Western Botanicals is where I go for anything herbal if I don't already have it. If it's not grown in my backyard and I need it, I know they're going to have it. If I'm not sure what I need, I give them a call. I tell them what I'm dealing with, and they help me make the right choices for myself. They'll do that for you, too. They're real people that really care about you. WesternBotanicals.com. They also have a really cool premium membership program. It's 50 bucks a year. All TSP listeners can get it for $25 a year if you use the link on the website. MSB members, you get it for free. All you got to do is call them up, and they'll set you up. Instructions are in the back of the MSB uh, website for you. Additionally, uh, Jam Bullion gives you guys in the MSB a discount. Great segue, huh? Join the MSB. You get discounts to Western Botanicals, Jam Bullion. You get a lifetime membership to Safe Castle's Discount Club. Those three membership benefits alone are worth two to three years of the cost of the MSB, and there's a bunch more. I'm working on bringing some other cool ones in for you right now. Check it out. It'll be here soon. I got a feeling that this latest one's going to come through for me. Anyway, with that, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade if you're not already a member. And if you are military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, active duty, or prior service, or a first responder like an EMT, paramedic, or firefighter, also active duty, or prior service, email me, service discount on the subject line. Send that email to jack at the survivalpodcast.com. Do this before, not after you join. I'll send you a discount code on an already great product. Everybody else, just go to the survivalpodcast.com. Click on members of the MSB banner, and uh, you'll find information there how, how you can sign up. I do take cash, checks, and money orders and silver by the United States mail. Oh, I was supposed to talk about that Monday, the U.S. mail. Uh, we'll talk about that either on Friday or Monday's show. Anyway, I do take that by mail. I take PayPal and Bitcoin online. With that, let's get into some of the other cool stuff I've got for you today. Before I tell you why to turn the freaking news off, Let's uh, let's get over to episode where uh, the year that was the episode fourteen twenty two. I got two segments for you today: the death of two kings and the birth of the Tudors. I'm not going to read that one though. You'll have to read that one for yourself if you want to. The one I'm going to read for you is: a blind man could win this war and will. The year is fourteen twenty two because that is the episode. Alex shrugged has this for us today on TSPWiki.com. John the One Eyed Ziska has led his Hutsite troops. Aptly, but when he lost his other eye, perhaps my other eye, who knows what that's from. Anyway, lost his other eye in battle last year. One might think he would stop, step down. Instead, he stepped up. All he had to do was invent mobile warfare. Essentially, a large war wagon with a mounted cannon. Thick boards act as armor to protect the troops as they advance on fortified infantry positions. The Wagenburn war wagon will also act as a troop carrier. In the past, cannons have been used only to lob huge stone projectiles at castle walls. Now it's being used against the infantry directly. In the Battle of Dorschbord, the Hussites will spank 2,000 Royalist Crusaders. 
and hit a supply caravan, netting the Hussites a large loot again. John the Blind Ziska will win this war, and his followers will erect a monument in his honor in the Prague. It might it is a mighty bronze statue of John mounted on his horse, staring ominously down at you. Shiver. It remains the fourth largest bronze equestrian statue. Bronze. It remains the fourth largest bronze equestrian statue in the world today. My take by Alex Shrugged, who puts these for, together for us. Keep in mind that the Hussites are just peasant farmers and clergymen up against trained and well-equipped armies. They also need money to finance the war, so they're hitting the royal supply trains looking for stuff to steal and money to pay for the stuff they can't steal. And their raids are raising absolute havoc with the emperor's logistics. A new war wagon invention is essentially a wooden tank that allows the Hussites to set up mobile fortified positions, also known as a lager, like a moving castle. You can find an account of the battle of Goodfrey Hindley, of this battle in Goodfrey Hindley's book, Medieval Siege and Siege Craft, 2009, where he focused on war wagons and strategic positioning of forces in these battles. So what you see is basically the modern invention of tank warfare in 1422, out of wood and cannon, um, by a blind guy. Kind of cool. Now, the reason I chose this one for today is so I could harken back to yesterday, and it's going to tie right into today's show. And that is, I said yesterday that one does not defeat a superior enemy by using outdated tactics and outdated technology. One defeats an enemy using current tactics, using the enemy's own tactics and technology, or advancing technology against the enemy that we've been lied to. Well, that's going to fit in with today really well. Well, that's what happened here. They went up against superior forces. They didn't throw stones. They built a tank. If we're going to defeat those in power, we have to meet them on their own level or higher. Not with outdated tactics. Let them use the outdated tactics. We'll use cutting-edge tactics. That's true in, in real battlefield warfare, and it's true in the battle of the mind, which is the battle that we should be engaged in at this point. A higher level of battle. Anyway, with that, I also want to remind you it's Tuesday. Tuesday is time for the Bob Wells Plant of the Week. Real quick segment here before we get into the topic of today's show on a plant that you can grow. Today's plant is Navajo Thornless Blackberry. It is highly adaptable from zone 6 to 10, needs no trellis because it's self-supporting, and it's late producing, extending the blackberry season to July or August depending on your climate. Since it's a late-blooming plant, you don't have to worry about losing your crop to a late freeze. Yields are high with large berries, and above all, it is thornless and great-tasting. You can learn more about that plant at BobWellsNursery.com, and I have a link in today's show notes to both Bob Wells Nursery and to that plant. Now, let's get into the main topic of today's show. And uh, hopefully you've learned a lot already. I think it was a pretty great introduction segment. I gotta tell you guys why I'm doing this though. I've made a mistake recently. I've, I've turned on the news and I've actually watched it for more than 10 seconds at a time and it has my brain ready to, to like ooze out of my eye sockets. The level of ignorance the typical American is capable of now is at an all time high in my opinion. It really is. There is one goal in all of this and that is to divide the people and put them into a state of fear. The lies are numerous, such as the upcoming election is critical. ISIS is in Houston, and poor little children will be deported if we don't do something soon at the border. Of course, now the Congress is also weighing in on a domestic violence committed by an NFL player. 
If you think this is a good thing, let me ask you this. How many scumbag men punch women in the face every day and these clowns don't care about it at all? Why do you think they care now? Women. I'm speaking to the women directly now. Do you think any of them would speak up for you if you were the victim, if they could not grandstand with it? Do you think if your husband or your boyfriend or a guy that you knew punched you in the face tomorrow in an elevator somewhere, like this, this NFL player did to his wife, do you think any congressman would speak up for you? Just think about that. Let that sink in for a minute. Why do you think they care now? Please listen today with an open mind. The entire media message right now is a simple coordinated effort to confuse, anger, divide, and place our citizens into a state of fear and capitulation. That's what's going on. The worst part is it's likely to work. There's nothing to be done at this point to stop it. So you have to see it for what it is, understand it, and design your future around it versus being part of it. I, I want to scream, wake up, America. I want to go on a jack rant today, and I'm not going to. Because it won't do any good. It'll just get my blood pressure up, and it'll entertain some of you and turn some of you off. That's, that's what happens when I rant. I want to tell you the truth. I want to tell you what's really going on. I'm going to go kind of quickly through, you know, five big stories right now and tell you why they don't really affect you. And why even if they get to a point where they're going to affect you, you'll know without watching the news and paying attention to it. I chose a picture for today's show, and I put it on Facebook already, but it's in the show notes as well. There's a media caster, and he looks all horrified on it. It looks like an old-school TV set, too, like an old one like Grandpa would use. And the guy kind of looks like Grandpa that's, that's watching TV. He's got his clicker with his, his hand, and it, the guy on the TV says, What can we do to lessen the grip of fear from terrorism? And the next frame, Grandpa has his remote, and he has a big smile on his face. The TV's off, and it says, Click. And the caption I put underneath that picture was, Can it really be that simple? Yep. That's the caption. Can it really be that simple? Yep. Sure can. These things that you're being told are the most important thing in your world right now are not. I'm going to tell you that there's truth to all of them. There's reason for concern in all of them. But they should not occupy significant space in your mind at this time because the reality of the human mind is simple. You only have enough space in your head to really think deeply about two things at one time. That's it. And that means that if you give even one of these space, 50% of the capacity that you have for formulating your own solutions and building your own life and succeeding in your own way and in your own efforts has been given over to something that you do not, do not, do not absolutely do not have any control over. So placing your energy where your efficiency is zero is dumb. Okay? You understand this. The, these things and thinking about these things are for idle times when you don't have anything else important to do. That means if you're spending a lot of time thinking about them and worrying about them and paying attention to them, you either have a shitload of idle time on your hands Or you're wasting time. And I'll tell you what, it's most likely the second one. I want to put out a little say, uh, saying today that's one of our listeners from Canada's favorite. said he lives for this. Tick-tock. Tick-tock. The clock 
clicks for us all. Time is moving forward. You were born. One day you'll die. There'll be two years on a stone somewhere likely when you're dead and a dash in between those two numbers. That dash is you. Every second you spend paying attention to and worrying about things that concern you that you do not control is wasting that dash. Please think about that as I go through these and you're sure that you just, you gotta pay attention to this because it really is important, Jack. No, no, it's not. Let's start out with the biggest one in the news right now. ISIS is coming to get you. No, ISIS isn't coming to get you. They're in Houston. I saw a guy. He said he was from ISIS. They arrested him. I don't care. I don't care. Okay? I just don't. Let me explain this to you guys. This is the, this is the story of ISIS. Um, there's some kind of magical coalescing of these radical Muslim groups that's occurred over the past couple of years, and it, it's morphed into this new enemy, ISIS, and they're, they're heavily funded. They have billions of dollars in funding. We, we can't figure out where the money came from or where it's at or where it's going, but they have it. They have the money, they have the technology, and they're vicious, murdering killers that want you all dead, and they have the means to do it, and we have to meet this threat head-on, or soon they'll be here. In fact, they're already here. That's the basic message. Holy shit, we all better get under our desk than hide. I mean, holy crap! In the old, you know, wah-wah. No, no. What is the truth about ISIS? ISIS is a group of Islamic radicals that will kill you if they get the chance. That's that's not that's not untrue. Um, how well funded are they? As well funded as our governments allowed them to become. Guys, you can't hide five bucks from the IRS. Okay, don't think that people can move billions of dollars into terrorist organizations and we we just can't figure it out. We don't know. And, and the lady that works for the IRS, we lost her emails. We can't. Oh, we found them. Did we? No, we didn't find them. Yeah, we, I mean, come on. Do you, I, I am willing to assign major, major, major loads of incompetence onto our government. I really am. But the inability to track money is not a place we're weak. So, however much money we've allowed to be. Uh, put aside for these people has, has happened. We, we could have cut the funding off if we really wanted to. And even if, if we couldn't, we damn sure could figure out who gave it to them and do something about that if we really wanted to. But it is not in our best interest for ISIS to not be a threat right now. Uh, not for those that are in power. They need an enemy, a boogeyman. And a British talking guy in a black uh, burqa, yeah, that's perfect. He's scary. He's going to come get your son next. So the the issue here is when you speak out against the stupidity, people think you're saying something equally stupid, like there is no ISIS, everything is being faked, none of it's real, it's all fictitious, nobody actually died. Those are stupid statements of the conspiracy whack jobs as well. The, the fundamental reality is there have been people in this radical Islam mindset for as long as there's been an Islamic mindset. And the war and the hatred and the, 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 the murder and the killing and the danger that exists there has existed there well before we started doing history segments. Okay? 
That's, that's just the way that it is. And we have made it worse. Every time we have intervened, we have made it worse. We have not made anything better in the Middle East ever. The United States has never made it better. We've only made it worse. See, when you keep screwing with something and you keep messing it up, it's time for you to go, you know what, I, I really am not good at this, and stop. But no, no, we, we keep messing it up because we want our people afraid. And I'll get into the whole formula for controlling you that's used, and maybe you'll see it then. But this is the reality. We have, and I'm going to save the, most of the border talk for later, but we have this crap going on now. We need to seal the border because ISIS is going to come across the Rio Grande. Like I said yesterday, if ISIS is coming here, they're coming with a passport on a 777. Flying in from like Heathrow Airport or something like that. That's, that's how ISIS would get here. And ISIS isn't a thing, it's an idea. There's no president of ISIS. It's like, like there's this guy in Houston, it's part of ISIS, because he said he was. Right? It's the Islamic State of Iran or Iraq or something, I don't know. No. It's bullshit. It would be like if I said, you know what, from now on, I'm president of Texas. No one would take me seriously. If I threatened anybody, they'd send people to get rid of me, which is a good idea. Right? See how that works? But these guys are out here, and you watch the combat footage, and I have air quotes going when I say combat footage, of these ISIS guys that are these highly trained, motivated, dangerous terrorists that know how to fight a battle. And the guy's sitting on the ground with a tripod-mounted machine gun or a bipod-mounted machine gun. He's got the, the, the yellow lines of, I saw this on TV, I swear to God, the yellow lines of a road. He's, his belly is on the yellow lines of a road. There's vehicles parked all around him. And he's shooting across an open field. And anybody with a half a brain can look at the barrel of this machine gun and see the angle of this barrel and realize at 150 yards out, the rounds are about 19 feet in the air. So this guy is either shooting at something that's basically line of sight, right? He's, he's shooting off into the horizon at like five miles. Or he's shooting at nothing. And, and people are dressed in like dress shirts and khakis. This is the terrorists. But they got hoods on, so you can't see who they are. And they're, they're meandering around while this guy's shooting. And I'm supposed to take this seriously. Like a group of Pennsylvania bow hunters couldn't kill all these guys in 15 minutes. You gotta be kidding me that I'm supposed to take these people serious. And the, the problem with this is, then the, the, the conspiracy nutjobs will say, well, they don't even exist. It's all completely fake and they're not killing. Of course they're killing people over there. Cause they're killing unarmed people. Do you understand how that works? They do want an Islamic state. They will kill you if you don't capitulate to them. And they will attack the weakest people. And then they will use terroristic weapons like bombs to attack anybody that's stronger than them. And if they could kill you tomorrow, they would. But there's a problem. They have to think about things tomorrow like, am I going to have something to eat? I have a lot of time to think about killing you because they don't know who you are or where you are. If you had an organization that legitimately wanted to attack this country, you don't need any of this sophisticated bullshit. You need a couple guys with visas that can get into the country. And if you can't get them that, you put them on a boat, a fishing boat. That you, you take them off of it because they, they got billions. So I, I'm thinking you could afford one ocean-going yacht then. So you take you know, your four or five Ahmeds, 
and you put them on a yacht, and you feed them you know, caviar for a couple days while they cross the, the Atlantic or the Pacific. You have them met by a small fishing boat. The small fishing boat pulls up to a fishing dock anywhere along our coastline, and they step off and walk through society, and nobody bugs them. No, they're going to come across the freaking Rio Grande River. It's harder to get into Mexico than the United States. This is just stupid. You're supposed to believe this. And once you have them here, you don't need bombs. You need a few Texaco cards, some soda bottles, gas cans, and a few late model sedans. You can have the half the country in flames. And if somebody actually meant to do us harm, and, and we're that soft of a target that way, they would be doing it already. If they were capable at all. All you have to do is look at the conflict in Northern Ireland. And you can see how terrorists who really mean to create terrorism act. They don't always try for the Hail Mary pass and a touchdown. They take what they can get where they can get it. And if you look at what these people are doing, where they are capable of striking, it's exactly how they're behaving. They'll set a bomb off here. They'll start a fire there. They'll shoot at somebody here. They'll murder innocent children here. They'll do whatever they can whenever they can. They won't wait for one big one. But you're supposed to believe that's why they're just waiting for the one big one they can get in on us. Some big bombing or something like that. If they do, it will be something we allow to happen. I'll tell you why in a bit. But that's the truth about ISIS. They're a bunch of incompetent idiots that can't, they can't prosecute a war to save their life. If you took and engaged them with one trained brigade, the people that are out there running around the desert could be wiped out in a day. In a day. They're out in the middle of the street. In the middle of a freaking road in the open in a desert. We're sending in airstrikes. Not on them. I mean, the, the, the freaking birds don't even have to get to where they can see. The people on the ground know they're there. Gone. But we can't figure it out. But they're dangerous and they're going to get us. Come on. Wake up, America. Let's move on to the next one. Ray Rice. I barely know about this story, yet I know anyway, even though I'm not paying attention. This is First of all, I want you to be, take solace in that. Um, last week, I watched the news on all this crap. This week, I said, I can't do that anymore. I'm going to punch myself in the face if I do. And yet, just from playing around with you guys on Facebook, I know about Ray Rice. I had to look up what actually happened, because I realized people were talking about it like crazy. So I wanted to know for this show... But if something really is, is important, because this isn't at all, you'll know. You'll know. Okay? But, but, but Jack, there's people that are trying to hurt us, and we need to pay attention. Just accept the fact people want to hurt you. Because they're not giving you any information that actually helps you prevent yourself from being hurt, are they? Work on your situational awareness. Pay attention to your own surroundings. What's going on where you are? Because they're not going to tell you what you need to know. But Ray Rice, so the basics as I understand the Ray Rice story is there's already some kind of big problem with this and suspension or whatever because of uh, abuse of his wife. And then some video came out from an elevator at a casino or something like that in Atlantic City where apparently he punched her in the face. I didn't watch the video, but I'll just accept that the guy's a douche and he punched a woman in the face. And pretty much he should have his ass kicked by about ten guys bigger than him for being such a complete sorry-ass son of a bitch. I also noticed that Ray Rice's wife says this is a complete disaster that he's been fired or permanently suspended or expelled or expunged or whatever, and she's defending him, even though he punched her in the face. 
And he, but when he gets thrown out, he's taking $25 million with him. That's what I got off between Fox News and CNN without actually reading the stories, because I don't want to. <sighs> None of this actually was worthy of making this show until I noticed something. There are now congressmen stepping up on the floor of our government, the bastion of the freedom that is Washington, D.C., where our legislative activity happens, and using that congressional floor to stand and say, this is not enough. More should be done. This is a tragedy that just occurred to this woman. And as I said in the intro, ladies, do you think if this happened to you that a single congressman or senator would stand up on the floor of the Congress and speak on your behalf? And the answer is no. And even if they knew it happened and they knew who you were, they still wouldn't do it. Which means they don't give a shit about Ray Rice. They don't give a shit about the NFL. And they damn sure don't care about his, his wife. They don't care. But they see a national opportunity to look like they care. They don't care. They don't care. They do not care. They are using these people to convince you that they do. And they are using the anger created by domestic violence to further decide a population who should all simply be like, that's wrong. And if we know about it, we need to do something about it on our own, at our own level. Uh, a, I'm sorry if this offends anybody, but a husband punching his wife in the face is not a federal issue. It's a crime. It's totally a crime. Dude should go to jail, right? At least for a couple days while we figure out how we're going to handle the future between the two of them. Right? It's assault. It should be treated the same as if I'm walking down the road and he jumps out and hits me in the face. Maybe worse. Instead of not as bad, which is what usually happens. It's usually not as bad. It's assault and battery. It's a crime. It should be handled that way. But if I jump out on the street today, see some guy walking down the street and punch him in the face, kick him while he's down, then... Tarrant County or Fort Worth or whatever is going to deal with that, and nobody in the federal government is going to do anything because they shouldn't. Okay, This guy punching his wife in the face is not an issue for Congress. Just like steroids in baseball weren't an issue for Congress. You notice that nothing was really done about that, but they had a lot of talk about it and made you feel a lot of things about it. Okay, The same thing here. Next, 2014 elections. These are critical. We have to take our country back. It's all Obama's got to be stopped. Obama's not up for election. <laughs> you can't make this election about Obama. He's not in, He's not up for election. And do you think that anybody, anybody at all, that supports Obama is going to be convinced to vote against somebody in Congress because Obama's doing a bad job? Anybody that voted for Obama the first time, they, what's going to happen is the Republicans are going to either take control of the Senate or get really, really close. And this is not going to be a good year for the Democrats. Though they'll say it is. They'll, they'll spin it. Um, again, they'll re realize you're looking at, you know, the, 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 you know the, you're looking at two mafia families when you look at the Democrats and the Republicans at this level. So they'll both spin, you know, that their mafia is doing better than the other guy's mafia, even though one will clearly lose in this. But it will be mostly because the people that supported Obama aren't going to show up. Not because they're going to change their mind. Because they're so disheartened that everything they were promised didn't happen, they're not going to show up. They'll show up next time for the next guy that's really going to do what he said like before, right? 
So you'll see this swing. You're probably looking at a Republican swing in 2016 where you'll have a Republican Senate, a Republican House, and a Republican presidency. Uh, Rush Limbaugh, if he doesn't kill himself with burgers by then, will, will tell you that the world is going to be a new world. And it'll be a new world, and it'll be a new world of tyranny, a new world of things that make the Patriot Act look like romper room. And you'll have a people screaming, begging to be protected from an enemy that's not really there. And this election is really about Obama playing the fool. This is right out of Shakespeare. This is right out of Hamlet, playing the fool. It's his part now. To look weak. To look incompetent. To sell out his own mafia family to the benefit of the other mafia family. Because remember what I told you. It's not really like the two, the two mafia families really wanted to eliminate each other. These two mafia families know that they actually can't ever eliminate the other side. That if you eliminate the other side, the game's over. You'll lose. Because then the people will have no one to blame but you. So there has to be this, this constant fake battle between the two of them. To date myself, this is the Iron Sheik and Hulk Hogan in a, in a wrestling ring. WWF. And you can't just have Hogan out there with his muscles posing for very long before the crowd goes, well, this isn't really worth watching anymore. So you have to have an Iron Sheik. The thing is, in this game, both sides think they've got Hogan, and both sides think the other side's the Iron Sheik. That's how this game works. And there is no importance to the 2014 elections. None. Now you might say, well, we're in my local community. We have something on the thing. And that, and that might be important. I'm talking about the federal level. The election will be no different if you show up or if you don't. The same people are going to be in charge, and this is what's going to happen. You're going to end up most likely with the deck stacked against the incumbent president, which is pretty typical of the last, oh, I don't know, 40 years. Uh, second term incumbent president usually has to work with a complete opposite in, in Congress, uh, which means very little will get done. All the problems will get worse. Both sides will blame each other. It's all about 2016. This is all theater leading up to the next election, which I'm going to tell you this now. In 2016, these are the words that will be used. The most important election in our lifetime. And it won't be either. And we will be over $20 trillion in debt at that point, And it won't matter who's in charge. And the plan of the next president, whether Democrat or Republican, will be to go deeper and deeper and deeper into debt as a nation. And to increase totalitarianism at home. And to further see the American people as the enemy. And to keep the American people of a belief that the enemy is elsewhere. When the enemy really is here. And the American people really are the enemy. But they're not the enemy the way that the government is making them out to be. They're the enemy because of their ignorance and their apathy and their willingness to sell out their freedom for a small bowl of porridge. They are their own enemy. But keep believing the 2014 elections are really important. And keep believing if you post just enough things on Facebook, things will go your way and things will really get better. But keep believing that if you want to. Uh, the next one. The borders being left open for now. It's not going to close anytime soon. All of your memes about closing the border and all of your memes about the poor little children are bullshit. The majority of the children coming to the United States right now across our open border unaccompanied are males in their teens. 
They will be highly recruited, and some are already probably promised to the gangs. Uh, I had a Border Patrol agent say, I don't see it that way. You probably don't because the kids coming across are probably not tatted up and already part of the gangs. But how do you think their, their bill is being paid? If the cartels are taking them across, let's see. It's because, A, the cartels are really nice guys at heart. And they really believe in the American dream and they're just trying to help these young people. B... The families of these young people have five, six, seven thousand dollars a piece to pay the cartels to do it because the cartels are in it for money. C, the families are dead broke. They're cutting any kind of deal they can to get their cartels to take their kids across the border. And the cartels figure that they can get a payment back sometime in the future. Which one do you think it is? Which one do you think is, oh, but it's ISIS. ISIS is coming across the border. Please. Please. Your problem with this open border is a huge number of people who are actually not children but young adults coming to America with no visible means of support at a very time when the jobs in America are being replaced more and more and more with automation. Most of them have no skill sets whatsoever, no knowledge, and they're being placed on government assistance immediately. They're living in dorms that are being provided with taxpayer money and being fed, and people are being offered money to basically act as foster parents for them. We need to, you know, we, they're going to have to deport all these kids. None of the, not one of them, not one of them will ever be deported, and not a million Facebook memes will change that. And they're not little children in blankies, you guys on the other side. They're not. A little children in a blankie is there with his mom, okay, or her mom. The majority are teenage males. And if you've ever dealt with teenage males, especially in a bad situation surrounded by other teenage males, sooner or later, mayhem and violence are always the result. We can see this in the animal kingdom. When they started culling elephants and they killed off too many of the old male elephants, the juvenile male elephants started going on murder sprees. Like going into a village and grabbing people with their trunks and smashing them into the ground. It's a true story, guys. I can't, I mean, where the hell am I going to figure out to make that up? Okay? And they figured out that it was these old bachelor herds of, of, of elephants that would take the young aside and basically teach them to be a good elephant citizen. Not that an elephant's not dangerous at all, but generally speaking, elephants didn't just don't just wander into villages and start murdering people. And between the conflict over land access and the thinning out of the, the more mature males, that's what happened. It happened some, not as much, but it happened some with the cave buffalo, too. So if, if a buffalo or an elephant requires the guidance of an elder male to rein in the aggression that is naturally inherent to the male, don't you think human beings do, too? So you're going to put these boys into a boys and young men into a situation where they're tightly housed, somewhat tightly controlled, pseudo prison like environment, but fed three meals a day and told we're trying to help you and figure out what to do with you. Eventually, they're just going to 
move into society somehow. You think you're going to have stable, upright young men come out of that? And you know what will happen? The, the, the vehement left will continue to defend them and hold up the few examples of those who adjusted well and, and are doing good things. They're just inherently moral, good people. And the right will continue to villainize all of them because that's what's supposed to happen because you're supposed to be divided with each other. Instead of admitting what the real problem is, the real problem is the conditions that these, these, these young men are coming in with And the only logical result is going to be a swelling of things like the Southern Mexican Gang, the Northern Mexican Gang, MS-13, etc. That will be the result. Because when you have no place left to turn, you turn to the one place that accepts you. And we're setting that up right now. And why are we doing it? We're doing it so that we can create such a crisis on the border that everybody will finally agree that we need a solution. And the solution will be to seal the border. And they'll finally do it. The only thing preventing them from doing that right now, well, honestly, the only thing preventing them from doing that right now is the decision to do it. We could have the border tight as an ass crack tomorrow morning if we wanted to. The thing that prevents them from making the decision is a desire to take all of the people that are already here and give them amnesty. Not on my watch, Jack. We'll shut down the phone lines of Congress like we did before. No, you won't. No, you won't. It won't happen. It won't happen. By the time they go to do this, the problem will be sufficiently lathered that just to solve it, everybody that fought back against doing that will give in. Enough of them will give in that there'll be no more resistance and you'll get Amnesty 2.0 and you'll get a sealed border And they'll seal that border more to keep you in than to keep them out. And a lot of people that came here might end up wondering, why the hell did I come here? There's not much for me here. That's what's going on there. Another one, and it's starting to wane a little bit now, but the Ukraine, Obama's crazy. It's going to turn into World War III. The Ukraine conflict is not going to turn into World War III. If... Moscow and Washington pointing tens of thousands of nuclear weapons at each other for 30 years, constantly saber-rattling against each other, didn't start World War III. A conflict between Russian separatists and the Ukrainian government is not going to result in World War III. It's not. We, we have so much going on right now. I mean, if you go back to the ISIS thing, the other, so when you actually point the things out that I did to people, do you know what they say? But they're committing genocide. And, and we care why. I'm not saying we shouldn't care about genocide. We should. But we, we, you have people that could be wiped out tomorrow morning if it was an actual desire to do so, committing what I would call pseudo-genocide because they don't have anywhere near the scale to call it genocide. And again, it's not to take away from the horror that is these, that people are being killed in this situation. But what I'm saying is, why do we care as a nation? And, and what we would have to do is we'd have to look at another place where real genocide occurred 
and none of us really cared. Maybe a little bit was blathered on about it, but nobody really thought we should do something, and there was no outcry like Darfur. Yeah, like Darfur. Do you know, do you know what that is? There's real genocide going on there. About 300,000 people have been killed based on UN estimates, along with another 460,000 have been displaced in the Sudan. And, and, and we don't really care because we haven't had any outcry to do anything. You know? and, and our government played lip service to some recent kidnappings in Rwanda, but we sure as hell weren't ever going to do anything about it. And boy, that left everybody's mind really fast, didn't it? And in 1994, at the height of the Rwandan genocide, between a half a million to one million people were killed, and the United States didn't do jack diddly shit, and the average American didn't get uncomfortable in his easy chair over it. So why do we care about ISIS? Again, not that ISIS doing what they're doing isn't wrong or horrible or horrifying, but why all of a sudden is it a big concern? Well, because it might affect us. Is it because it might affect us because they'll come here and do it to us? Or is it because, oh, I don't know, they're doing it in a place with oil? I mean, we do have to use our brains. We, we really do. And the reason we can't is we've been trained to not think. This is my biggest problem with the public education system, after all the wailing that I've done on it, all with good cause, by the way, is really that it trains people not to think. It trains people to obey. It trains people to accept that there is an answer, and that somebody smarter than you will tell you what the answer is, and when you've memorized the answer or learned how to recreate the answer the way you were told, you've done well, and you get a gold star or an A. So that in society, you then behave that way, like a puppet. See, the TV tells you what's going on, and you're offered a multiple-choice test, A and B. A is the right-wing version of it, and B is the left-wing version of it, And you can pick either one, and somebody will say, well done, you've done good. When you say, I don't think either one of these answers are right, well, then you're mocked, called a conspiracy theorist, etc. This is the society you live in today. So let's just look at what the formula is to control a society. And I want you to think about the rise of Adolf Hitler in this. I recently watched a documentary on Nazi Germany. It was called... Uh, I think it was called Nazi Nazi Germany, or it was called Hitler or Nazi Germany, and it was two parts. It was called the first one was called the Rise, and the second was called the Fall. And as I looked at that, I went, "That's a perfect explanation for what we're actually doing here right now." The difference is at the time, and in that particular method of control, it was it was all done in the name of one man, Hitler. And your educational system, I should call it your, your indoctrination system, has convinced you that tyranny is committed in the name of one man. And that's why they would never tell you like all the good shit that happened in Germany under Hitler. Because there was a lot that was good. That doesn't mean Hitler was a good guy. That doesn't mean I'm endorsing Nazism like some retards are saying right now. I know you're out there right now typing. He's gonna, I, Jack Spierko said that the... Whatever. What I'm saying is, like, unemployment went way down. The life of the average German went way up. The quality of life, right up until they really got deep into the war and, and they began to feel the repercussions of that, got better. Hitler was popular. Very popular. 
And if, if they, if they tell you the whole story, which I was, I was shocked that mainstream media put something out that told the whole story really, then you might realize that it doesn't have to be a person. It could just be a state. See, have you noticed that in every situation that our nation or the free nations of the world who are quite totalitarian have pointed to another nation and said it's all tyranny? It's always been about a person, never about the state. So, you know, it was Castro, not the state of Cuba. It was Khrushchev, not Russia. Oh, wait, it was Stalin. Then it was Khrushchev. Oh, I see. Wait a minute. How's that work? It was about one man. It wasn't about a socialist state of China. It was about Mao. Pol Pot, an evil boogeyman that's really the dangerous. If that guy wasn't there, it's Saddam Hussein. Because if you actually tell people the truth, it's the state. They might look at their own state. And we don't have a Pol Pot or a Mao. In spite of the attempts by one side or the other of the dichotomy to, to make Bush in the form of the, one of these dictators or to make Obama in the form of one of these dictators, the president of this country really has nowhere near the power that we assign that he has. There's this whole system of government and checks and balances. They kind of teach you about that and then say throw it out the window. It's about the guy that's in charge, but not really because we're different. We're number one. We're the USA. But if we actually looked at the rise and fall of these states, of these fascist and socialist states, and by the way, fascism is a form of socialism, and as the, as, for Nazis to take over Germany, they needed an enemy that they said were the communists. And the communists were socialists. And the fascists were national socialists. And people believed it. Think about that as I give you this formula that's currently being executed on the people of this country. And understand, I'm not giving you every step in the formula. I'm giving you the most important steps of the formula that are going on right now. The first thing you need for true tyranny to rise, rise in a nation is for the nation to appear weak. For its people to feel helpless. You need the people to suffer. They cannot be comfortable. Unemployment must exist at a high level. You have to have unemployment. You have to have people that are working barely getting by. Sound familiar? <laughs> you have to have people believing that it's not their fault, that somebody else did it, and that what they deserve is now somewhere else. If, if it just went away, it doesn't work. It has to be like it can be reclaimed. They have to have a hope, but they have to feel hopeless. They have to feel that no one cares, they don't matter, and they have to feel that their nation is no, long, no longer great, that something needs to be done to restore the greatness of their nation. Hitler would not have been possible in a prosperous Germany. Do you understand that? So if you want to create the rise of a super state, 
the state must first, even if it's strong, appear weak to its own people. They must feel helpless. Then you need an enemy. Multiple enemies is better, but you really need an enemy. And when, once you find your enemies, you actually build up your own enemies to be scarier than they are. They'll get us. Something must be done. And you build them up, and you might even help them. If you're strategic in this, you might even at one point say that your enemy is your friend and give him strategic assistance in fighting your other enemy and say, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And then when that little thing is over and you've proven how dangerous your enemy is, you then let your enemy, your friend become your enemy. And then you build them up to be the most dangerous threat the world has ever known. They're out there, and they want to get you. And the worst thing is, we right now don't even know what to do. We, we're not sure how to deal with this threat. We just know that it's real. We have to figure out how to deal with this. You have to look very weak in front of your enemy. You have to look like you yourself are shuddering, that, that you are in fear for your people. That you're awake at night trying to figure out how to do this, how to protect your people as, as this benevolent state that, 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 that would take your people and hold them close to your breast and protect them like little children if you just could figure out how. The next thing you really want is you want your enemy to attack you somehow. It doesn't have to be a big attack, it just has to look scary. And if they don't attack, then maybe you create one for yourself or you specifically leave yourself vulnerable. In chess, you give up a pawn to bring your enemy in front of your rook. And your pawn is just that. He's a pawn. You don't care if he gets killed. And that's what you are to your government, your pawns. They don't care. Ladies, remember what I said. Congressmen are standing up to say that it's an outrage, that not enough has been done to punish Ray Rice for punching his wife in the face. And if your husband punched you in the face tomorrow, not a damn one of them would care. You're a pawn. That's how you know you're a pawn. When the strategic use of a human being is common by those in power, you know that those in power now see you as pawns. It is the same thing when a candidate for office, especially the president, brings a family to a speech and says, good Americans like Tom over here. Same shit. You're a pawn because you're expedient. You're also expendable. So you create an attack. You provoke an attack. You leave a, a flank apparently open for attack. But one way or another, whether it's let it happen or make it happen or cause it to happen, you need to be attacked. And if you get attacked in a way that's not really earth-shattering, like one or two people get killed far from home, you make it like it's a crisis for the entire nation. And you lather it up and you build it that way and you create a boogeyman that you're weak in front of and can't figure out quite how to do it yet. Now the thing is, at this point in history... As ignorant as people are, people are a little bit more intelligent. You could be intelligent and ignorant at the same time. You understand this. So you realize that you're playing out the same formula and that if your people start to look at it, they might figure it out. 
So you have to create another distraction. You have to drive multiple wedges between your people. This is a hallmark of fascism. Fascism, again, for those that are new to the show, is not killing a bunch of people in concentration camps. That's what one fascist did. Okay, Fascism is a system of government and eco economics. It's a, it's, a, it's a geopolitical economic system. Okay, And it, its textbook definition is where the state and industry work together and leverage the differences between the classes as mediators for the benefit of both industry and the state. That is a textbook definition of fascism. In classic fascism, the state is con in control, and industry as the oligarchy is subject to the state. In neo-fascism, which is what you live in today, the oligarchy is in control and uses the government. And you can tell which side is in control by which way the money flows. The hand that does the giving of money always is above the hand receiving the money. And no one is shocked by the fact that today it is industry paying the government. Now the government pays industry back in a myriad of ways between passing laws and regulations that squash competition but empower those that are already in control to giving them contracts and everything else. But the money flow starts with buying votes in the campaigns. So you have a neo-fascist state that you live in. And as any fascist system must, it divides. In the classic fascism of Nazi Germany, you were either a Nazi or you weren't. And even then, you might not be a good enough Nazi, and we still might have to kill you. So it was a simple division. With us or against us. That simple division works in modern times, but it has to be cascaded. So in the end, you have to salute the flag, put your hand over your heart, or you're not a good American. You must stand for the ideal that we tell you American is versus the ideal that America is supposed to be. In the end, it is still that simple divide. You're either American or anti-American, one or the other. But they know that's not enough anymore. They have to have this two-party system. This is the wedge. So you drive the primary wedge... And in, in our current state, in, in economic and, 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 and uh, time state, it is left and right. It is liberal and conservative. This is the divide. And they convince both sides to be most animate about the issues that both sides shouldn't give a shit about. Let's get people fighting over something like gay marriage. That's a really good use of their time. So we, we, we take the religious right, we entrench them into church doctrine, which they have every right to believe in practice, they just don't have the right to assign it to others. And then we get the left attacking them to the point where they're attacking the, their entire faith versus debating an issue so that both sides are entrenched. Well, while we're doing that, let's make sure we use this black-white divide. That's, very, that's way too convenient not, not to use. And let's do the rich and the poor. And let's, 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 let's slant the argument to where all the poor people are black. Like there's no poor white people. That'll piss off the poor white people an awful lot. And they'll cling to their guns and their, 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 their Bibles and their guns. Right? And then we can portray them to be crazy. And we'll just keep doing this until the people are perfectly divided. To where they can't possibly come together and deal with the incompetent government that is playing the fool.
of incompetence and saying, look at the threat over there. And as angry as everybody is at each other, in the end, they'll fall into the basic divide of us and them. And the majority will fall onto the side of us. In the end, we do all agree that this is the real threat. If it wasn't for them, maybe we could solve our own problems. But they're the reason over there. Instead of looking at the people right in front of you that are doing all this and blaming them where the blame actually lands. Then, of course, when you do this, there will be independent thinkers in any, any society. People like me. They will step up and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These guys that are supposed to be a big threat, big threat over there, they're, they're, they're not here. If they were, they could, there's like, here's all these things they could be doing right now. You sound like a terrorist, buddy. That sounds like you're giving them advice. No, 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 I'm not giving them advice. I'm just pointing out the obvious. Oh, you're anti-American. You're a socialist. You're a pinko. You're whatever. You ostracize anybody. Anybody that doesn't fall to one side or the other of the main divide and doesn't end up in the same place at the end of the divide where everybody comes back together and agrees the real danger is over there. You may, and then you turn that person into another enemy and another point of division. And you just talk over them and you just ignore them and you berate them and you make people feel like if you listen to this person, you'll be treated the same way. And you see it so simply. You see a comment somewhere on a video or Facebook or something from one side or the other, and you point something out, and they say something like, You're an Obama lover. Me? You don't know me. There's no case in the world that could be made for me being pro-Obama at all. Anybody that's listened to this show since day one knows that that's, that is like, that's like calling a cat a dog. It just, it just isn't so. It's ridiculous. But since you're, since you're counter, To their core belief, you must be the other side. And if you're not, and that's bad, but if you're not the other side, then, oh God, you're one of those nut jobs. You're one of those people that waste your vote. You're one of those people that won't fall in line and vote for the lesser of two evils. You're a nut job. We have to make a decision here. Don't you know those people are going to kill us over there? So you get that going. And eventually, if you do this long enough, the majority of the people, no matter which side of the, the, the divide wedge they fall on, is they coalesce back at the top. USA, number one, will beg you to protect them. They will all agree. They'll disagree over how, but they'll all agree. We must reform the education system that's, that's terrible rather than replace it with something that actually works. We must protect ourselves from the terrorists. The most adamant Democrat right now, oh, ISIS is scary. <laughs> so your people then beg you to protect them. And when they beg you for protection, what they don't realize is they're actually asking you for tyranny. They're saying, please grow the size and scope of government. Please make government a bigger part of my life. Please tell me what I will give up my freedom as long as you make sure other people can't do those things too because I want to feel safe. And when they beg you for it, give them what they asked for. You just do what they ask you to do. You don't have to install a tyrannical government anymore with this formula. You just simply follow it 
And the natural result is the majority of your population. And not just the majority that puts whatever house in or whichever party in power. The majority of the totality all agree in the end we need, we need more safety. We need to do something about this threat over there. We need to fight them there so they don't come here. The majority of people fall in line and beg you for a boot on their neck. And then you just step on them. And this will work for a while. And eventually you'll end up at a point where people start to look around and realize what they've done to themselves, and they will begin to cheer the concept of liberty. They will begin to cheer the concept of independent thought. And do you know what you do then? You repeat. You start all over at the beginning, and you really sound the bell that these guys are crazy. They don't understand how weak we are right now. And how helpless where we are right now. And what problems we have right now. And there's no hope in their magic rainbow formula. And there's these enemies over there. And we look so weak in front of them. And they attacked us. And God, all you people don't understand how divided we are. We have to come together. And these people that are telling us that we're just doing this all over again. They're conspiracy nuts like they've always been. And now we need protection and we'll give it to you. And for those of you that are new to this line of thinking, that you know someone that's talked this way before, and they just feel so frustrated when they talk to you, you'll understand if you stay on this path how they feel soon. And, and you'll realize you'll have to go through it yourself, and eventually you'll have to get to a point where you just become at peace with it. Because once you can see this, you can't not see it ever again. It is taking, you know, the, you've got the blue pill and the red pill, and if you take the pill that wakes you up, you're awake forever. It works like this. All of us have had an experience like this in our lives at one time or another. You hung up a picture that wasn't straight, but you thought it was. Or there was a nick in, a, in your car that you didn't know was there. And it was there for a while. You never noticed it. And one way or another, you noticed it or somebody points it out to you. And once you know it's there, even though you didn't see it for years, you can never not see it again. So this is, for example... My pool. I had my pool put in, an above-ground pool, and I had a deck contractor come and put a deck in. They put the deck in a year ago. And they just did it. Because they said, I want the deck to look like this, and they made it look like that. And, you know, we go on about our lives. And I had always seen the pool as being, the back side of the pool is, you know, the pool has these, like, It's almost like an octagon, but it's way bigger than eight sides, all these walls. And the back wall being perfectly straight in relationship to the house and the street that's out in front of it, and it was is that way. And I always saw it that way. And so I called the same guys that built the deck back and said, hey, I want to put a pergola over here. Can you guys come out and help me do that? And they put in a big cedar pergola that they just put in. And they're going to just bolt on to the to the main beams of the deck that have been jackhammered into the concrete limestone. It's not going anywhere, and they're going to drill holes and put these big bolts through and bolt it together, and that's the plan. And since the deck's square, they'll just use these two main beams as the front part of the pergola with this big open span. Great. Day they're working on it, guy that's working on it comes to me and says, hey, we're going to have to move this side back. And uh, so we're going to have to do some stuff to make it work, and I won't get into it, but you have to do this. I know you think I'm going off in left field, but I'm really not listening to this, right? So I'm like, why? He goes, this, this beam's actually five inches closer to the back rail than this one is. And he's like, I'm like, 
what? How is that possible? Because the deck looks straight. He goes, well, it looks straight, but we had to reconfigure the deck a little bit because the pool is slightly rotated to the right. It's not really in line with everything else that we lined up when we put the first piers in. So we came off the street straight at a 90-degree angle and off the fence line straight at a 90-degree angle. We assumed the pool was that way, and I forgot that we adjusted for this, and here's how we'll readjust for it to make it work, and it'll look fine, and it does. So I'm thinking, I'm just looking at it going, it looks square, but it's not. It's five inches off across about 16 feet. You should be able to see it, and you don't, because they did a really good job the way they designed the deck. So I stand on the deck, and I look at the pool. And for the first time since the pool's been there for over a year, I can see that it's rotated slightly. It's not a problem. I'm not giving you a, you know Jack's problem here. I'm just telling you, it's slightly rotated to the right, that that back straight line isn't quite straight. So for the deck to marry up to it, it had to be put a little askew. Never saw it before. Can't walk up on that deck and look at that pool now and not see that it's slightly turned to the right. The pattern is now recognized. I know it's that way. Therefore, I see it for what it is. My mind no longer fools me into believing it's straight when I know that it's not. doesn't bother me, but I just know. Same thing, you get a little nick on your car. Don't notice it, don't notice it. One day you see it, it's a brand new car, it's its first nick. Now you know it's there. As soon as you walk out, there's the nick. Can't not see it. When you learn to identify this formula of control of people by the state, you just see it whenever it happens. You just immediately know. So that the people that have been telling you these things that seem so frustrated that you don't see it, they now see it. And, and we who now see the truth tend to forget that at one time we believed the lie too. I voted for George Bush. Really did. Thought it mattered. Thought it was important. When I realized it didn't matter and didn't wasn't important, I actually ran for the the, the uh, Texas State House as a libertarian, and I realized that didn't matter. And I started to ask myself what did matter, and I realized I mattered. My decisions mattered. My choices mattered in my life more than anything else. And then I said, well, how the hell come no one understands that? Why isn't everybody thinking this way? It sent me on a multi-year journey, and part of it was the, the original creation of the Survival Podcast. And it's so easy now to see it. It's so simple to see it. That you have a hard time remembering how hard it is to see before you chose to see it. You have a hard time remembering how horrifying making the choice really is and how, much, how you would really sometimes think, what if I could just go back in the matrix? What if I could just plug the wire back into my skull and go to sleep and eat the nice steak and just be happy again? You realize you don't want to do that. But you also realize something else. You can't. It's impossible. Once you take the step of rational thought to discern for yourself the control mechanisms that are put in place by the state, to see them for what they are and to stop buying into them and focus on what really matters for you and your own, you can never, ever turn that off. And the more you pay attention to what's going on around you, the more frustrated you will become. 
and the more ridiculous things will seem to you. But you have to remember, you used to believe it too. I have to remind myself that. I have to keep myself in check with that at all times. When I'm dealing with someone that just doesn't want to see it. And I realize when I talk to people, I'm dealing with three types of people, assuming that they don't see it yet. I'm dealing with people that want to see it, but they're not sure about it yet. They just don't know. They want to know the truth, they're on a path for the truth, and they're willing to take the right steps when they get there, but they're just not there yet. They just don't know enough yet. Or I'm dealing with a person that really does know, but's just scared to accept it yet. Because they haven't figured out exactly what it means for them once they do, and they're just not prepared yet. Or I'm dealing with a person that flat out refuses. That would much rather believe that which makes them feel secure on their side of the dichotomy than to be open to anything else. And those people are not worth talking to. And the old sales game, we had a, we had a saying, you know, it was like a third of the people that you talk to are just going to buy from you. Those are great. doesn't mean you're a good salesman. Just those are the orders you get. A third of the people can be won over by doing an effective job and matching the product and services to their needs and being a good salesperson. Those are the sales you earn. A third of the people you talk to will never do business with you. Don't waste your time on them once you figure it out you're dealing with one of those. Walk. When it comes to spreading liberty and ideals like this, you're dealing with pretty much the same ratio. There's a group of people that will never listen. And if they will listen, it ain't going to be this year, so stop talking. But I'll tell you what, the reason this show is called Turn Off the Freaking News today is that it is the number one way that the programming is currently accomplished. Turn it off. I, I, if you're the person that can't make it through the day without watching the news, try it for two weeks. Try it for two weeks. Refuse to know anything that's going on. If it's really important, if it really affects you, I'm telling you, somebody will tell you. Somebody will tell you. No, Ebola is not going to mutate, come to your house, and infect your lungs without somebody telling you that it's on the way. You will not be able to hide from it. No, what the congressman says about the football player will not impact you at all. As far as I know, the Ravens have cut rice, so he won't be playing if you're a Ravens fan. That's good news for me as a Steelers fan. In the end, football doesn't matter. It's just fun. Let it be what it is. Don't get emotionally vested in it, for God's sakes. Or your sport of choice. It's just fun. It's an amusement. It's a distraction. Understand that. So you put most of your effort where it actually matters. That's the same of anything. Video games, whatever. I get in gamers sometimes. I don't care if you play video games. I, play, I care if you play video games to the exclusion of being a responsible human being. That's what I care about. I think if you're 40 living in your parents' basement playing freaking Call of Duty, you have a problem. And I think the game is just one part of that problem. That doesn't mean all gamers are bad or all gamers are lazy or whatever. I mean, come on. Some people like to play video games. Some, like, some people like to dig holes. I don't care what you do, but turn the damn news off. Don't go to Drudge for a week. Don't go to CNN or Fox News. Don't turn on Russia Today. Don't Whatever. Just don't do it for a week or two. See what happens. See if the world stops because you didn't pay attention. See if your net worth declines because you didn't pay attention. See if anything happens to you all because you didn't pay attention. Just don't pay attention. If you do that, you know what you're going to figure out? 
all of their power is based on us paying attention to them. All of their control is based on us paying attention to them. All of their tyranny is based on us believing that they're necessary. That every time a single mind is freed from this, this matrix, which is what it really is, the matrix grows weaker. Why do you think in that movie we are the batteries? We power the machine. But we don't generate it through biomechanical means with a, with a wire shoved up our ass. We generate it with our attention. That's how you power the machine, by focusing on it and paying attention to it. That's where the energy comes from. And whenever you choose to put that focus and energy somewhere else, not only do you create power for yourself there, but you disempower the machine. The bad news is, guys, if you take a walk down the street and count 100 people, 90 to 99 of them are going to keep powering the machine. That's why you have to, at some point, you do have to pay a little bit of attention to what's going on. I'm not saying never watch the news. I'm saying don't watch it frequently. And don't buy into the bullshit. You need to pay, this is what you actually need to pay attention to. How are the sheep responding to the pablum that they're being fed? That's the only real value in the news anymore. What are the two main factions? Where are their points of contention? Where are they both wrong? And what does it mean for you in how they're going to behave? The story isn't the story. The story is the reaction of the average imbecile who's still plugged into the Matrix. Because you need to know what they're going to do, because they're all around you. But you're not going to change the outcome of an election because you watch the news. You're not going to change the outcome of an election because you vote or post Facebook memes or put a sign in your yard. 99% are decided before they ever happen. The, the election day is just a pantomime. The results are known. Vegas has really long odds against them, and they really don't want to even take that action because they know better. The solution, as always, is you. The solution is your decisions, your choice, your life. I think there's a lot of ways that we're going to be able to rebel in the future. Peacefully. Truly peacefully. Not fake peace. We're peaceful protesters smashing windows and stealing TVs. No, that's not peaceful protesting. I think if you, if you go out in the street, hold up a sign right now, you're wasting your time. You are, at that point, you are, have kicked into overdrive with your power for the machine. We accomplish things by doing them, not by talking about them. We accomplish things by getting them done, not demanding that someone else get them done on our behalf. We're the doers. There's a lot of people in the machine that fancy themselves as being doers. They're not doers. There's plenty of people in the dichotomy that say there's too many takers and not enough makers, and they think they're makers. They're not making anything. There's plenty of people talking about how they're overtaxed that don't pay any taxes, while others pay taxes on their behalf. The machine doesn't care. It doesn't care 
whether you have the positive or the negative terminal up, just that you're plugged in and that power is going into the machine. The first step, just like Grandpa in the cartoon that I posted today, what can we do to lessen the grip of the, from fear from terrorism? Click. Turn it off. Focus on your future. Focus on your own life. Focus on your family. Above all, focus on the things that you do have control over. Focus on the things that you influence, not the things that concern you. That's a formula for success. It's a pretty old one. It comes from a guy named Stephen Covey. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I'll tell you what the machine doesn't want you to be. Effective. It doesn't want effective people. It wants defective people so that their power can be drained to its own ends. Don't be one of them. And with that, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Seeing our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, and we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Revolution is you.